Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, dedicated to advancing options and providing hope for people living with cancer. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about the benefits of support groups during the holidays with Mary Strauss. Ms. Strauss is a licensed clinical social worker, and Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine. Mary, maybe we can start off by you telling us a little bit more about what you do and the role of a social worker in oncology. Um, what I do is meet with patients throughout the continuum of, of care to make the uh, process a little less stressful. So I might meet with a patient um, when they're initially diagnosed, when they're going through testing, before and after surgery, during an inpatient stay, or during treatment such as chemotherapy, radiation, or immunotherapy. And um, as oncology social workers, we provide individual and family counseling to our patients to help them cope with adjusting to illness and life transitions. And we provide education and advocacy regarding accessing community resources. Yeah. Um, we help our patients to find ways to communicate with their families and their uh, interdisciplinary team and to find meaning in their struggles and embrace the positive in each day. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's so important, but but certainly it sounds easier said than done. Anybody who knows anybody or has been through a cancer journey themselves knows just how fraught that is, uh, that experience kind of especially when you're first diagnosed, kind of tips your world upside down. Absolutely. So give us, uh, give us some tips on, on advice that you give to patients. I mean, especially um, when, when you're first diagnosed. How, how do patients really deal with a, a new diagnosis? Well, patients talk about the emotional roller coaster that they're going through. Um, so the social worker helps to normalize and uh, validate those feelings. They might be feeling anxious or afraid or even angry. So what we do is provide a calming presence. We listen actively and validate and normalize their feelings and we lend them hope. So, if a patient is going through emotional turmoil, such as thinking, how am I ever going to break this to my family? Or what did I do wrong? Did I cause this? What will the treatment be like? Is it going to hurt? So what we do is help people to process those feelings and um, to verbalize them in a comfortable um, environment where they can feel safe and uh, listen to. Yeah, but I think that for some patients, I mean, I, I, I can think of some patients who present, for example, with metastatic disease um, and, you know, providing hope while not providing false hope is something that 
um, for many patients may be a difficult concept to kind of grasp, especially um, when, you know, treatment options may be um, limited. So, you know, you, you talked a little bit about trying to find the positive in the experience and, and meaning. Um, talk a little bit about that. Well, people sometimes wonder why this is happening to them, if they did something wrong, or how they can maintain hope despite adversity. And one of the things that we discuss with patients is their resilience. They have gotten through life for many years. They've been through troubles and turmoil throughout their life. Um, Some may have experienced oppression, poverty. So what we do is help them to feel hope more in the present moment. So instead of constantly thinking, should I do more? Can I do more? what have I done wrong or how can I change this situation? It's more of a focus on enjoying the present moment while you can and focusing on um, gratitude while also self-advocating. Yeah, I think that's so important, especially now coming into the holidays where I I can just imagine for Patients who are going through the cancer journey, whether they're newly diagnosed or they're in the middle of treatment, you know, the holidays is a time when you really do, you know, you, you want to spend time with family and friends and um, and dealing with a diagnosis, particularly at, at a time like the holidays, may be particularly challenging. Um, what has been your experience with that? So the holidays are viewed as a very joyful time, and they can be. But for a person with cancer, the holidays can also be very difficult. For example, if they're going through treatment, that can be exhausting. And we tell ourselves constantly, there's so much to do, there's so much to do. So what we talk about is slowing down, taking a breath, and limiting your expectations so that you don't overdo it, communicating uh, your feelings with your family and friends so that they know just a little more about what you're experiencing. Um, And people can create new traditions. We don't have to overdo it. We can keep it simple. Um, And they can say no to unrealistic expectations and yes to offers of help and ask someone to pitch in. Um, so the holidays don't have to be go, go, go. And it can be a time to be mindful and sit and breathe. So it might be just taking a walk in nature or listening to music. The important thing is to save your energy for the important things and do something good for yourself and to keep a balance and connect with others. And one of the ways that... I find helpful for some of our patients is to join a support group where they can be with people who are going through a similar situation. Yeah, Uh, I I agree. I I think a couple of points that I just want to amplify is that so often, you know, people who are going through this journey, sometimes they they want to keep it to themselves um, and they don't want to tell friends and family simply because it can get overwhelming. Um, 
But on the other hand, sometimes um, they they do tell people and um, and people offer help. And, and I think that, you know, uh, accepting that help, uh, not kind of going through the experience thinking that you need to be the superhuman that you yes. always were, um, taking care of the kids and taking care of the parents and taking care of the job and taking care of the home and taking care of everything. Sometimes it's, it's nice to just take a breath. And when somebody says, Hey, can we, can we do something to actually say yes? Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. Um, now, you know, you, you talk about support groups and I, I just want to come back to that because, um, you know, I think people have different experiences with support groups. Some people find them incredibly helpful um, and some people not so much. So do you want to talk about kind of how you tailor that and how patients make individualized decisions as to whether a support group is right for them? Well, I have to say that I'm personally biased, that I think that support groups are great for people, but I totally understand that some people are not used to something like a support group. They feel uncomfortable sharing their feelings with so-called strangers. So what I do is explain that in a support group, you're going to be with people who've been in your shoes. Those of us who work in the field can relate in a way that um, is not as personal as a support group. We might understand cancer from books and articles and many years of training, but someone who has been down that road you've been really can understand you in a unique way. So I often tell people, just attend once. If you feel comfortable speaking, that's okay. If you don't, it's all right to just sit and listen. But you can be with other people who understand what you're going through and who will not judge what you're saying um, and who will offer tips on things like how to relax and um, things that have worked for them. So it's, I think, a way of having a sense of belonging. Some people also, I think, um, get benefit from knowing that they're helping other people. They can give ideas to other group members, and that can be a very powerful feeling. So at a time when you're feeling pretty vulnerable, you can help others to find hope and inspiration, too. Yeah, I think I think that's all true. But I do think that there are some things that people should keep in mind when they are looking for a support group or joining a support group. Um, and, and one of them is uh, something that we talk a lot about on this show, which is that everybody's cancer is not the same. So can you talk a little bit about um, support groups? I mean, are, are support groups um, kind of generalized for all patients with cancer? Should people look for particular uh, support groups that are tailored to their um, disease type uh, or particular phase of a disease even? Um, and, and how are those experiences different? Well, I have um, experience 
with a small cancer center um, associated with Yale, where it was a general support group. So it was people with uh, various uh, types of cancer. That was nice because it was a small town, a sense of community. I'd like to point out um, and give a shout out to uh, my oncology social work colleagues who run over 20 support groups. And we have some that are specific to the type of cancer. For instance, um, a prostate group, um, head and neck cancer support group, uh, breast cancer support group, leukemia, lymphoma, etc. So people can join a group that is specific to their illness or in some of our smaller care centers, we have more of the general support groups where um, people have various cancers and still can have that feeling of belonging and relating to others. Yeah, I, I think as well, though, it's important for people to understand that, you know, everybody's journey is not your journey. And while yes. it's great to get feedback and support that may be helpful and constructive, um, that the same experiences of everybody, even within a particular disease group, may not be the same. So, for example, if you have a patient with recurrent metastatic breast cancer who's talking about, you know, everything that she went through, that doesn't necessarily apply to somebody who's newly diagnosed with a very early stage breast cancer. So how how do you recommend that people kind of take the parts of the conversation in a support group that are positive and constructive um, and applicable to their situation and not um, fret and worry and garner greater anxiety with parts that may not be as relevant to them? Well, we actually, when you speak of breast cancer support groups, we do have um, the separate groups for folks who are initially diagnosed and going through treatment and um, a metastatic group. Um, but even if they're not separate, people are people. People can relate to each other and the core of the discussion is to, to validate other people's feelings, to express your own, and to talk about how you're going to get through the journey. So although someone might be at a different stage of the cancer process than you, we all want to find ways to relax, to have inspiration, to find hope in the present moment. And so I think people can find ways to connect with others. Um, they have things in common. Maybe someone in the group has had a similar treatment to you, or maybe they have a completely different diagnosis, but some of the feelings are similar that many of the feelings are things like anxiety, anger, even um, feeling afraid of what's coming up next. For example, um, one gentleman mentioned once that he was having scanxiety and I asked for clarification and he said he always feels nervous 
couple of weeks before his upcoming scan. And other people in the group can relate to that. No matter what type of cancer they have, it's a similar type of feeling. Yeah, no, for sure. There are certain lessons that are ubiquitous amongst uh, all members of this club of cancer survivors. And we'll, we'll talk more about that after we take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about the benefits of support groups during the holidays with Mary Strauss. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca. Introducing Your Cancer, a program to spotlight the cancer community and recognize those at the forefront of cancer care. Learn more at yourcancer.org. This is a Medical Minute about survivorship. Completing treatment for cancer is a very exciting milestone, but cancer and its treatment can be a life-changing experience. For cancer survivors, the return to normal activities and relationships can be difficult, and some survivors face long-term side effects resulting from their treatment, including heart problems, osteoporosis, fertility issues, and an increased risk of second cancers. Resources are available to help keep cancer survivors well and focused on healthy living. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Mary Strauss. We're talking about the importance of support groups, especially around the holidays. And Mary, right before the break, we were talking about, you know, kind of um, the experience of, of, of support groups and, and how everybody kind of shares their journey uh, through cancer. I, I was thinking about you know, particularly now, uh, the cancer journey is just, um, it's so different. Um, because, you know, people may feel particularly isolated, um, in the COVID. So talk to us a little bit about those feelings of, of isolation that, that people might have and some of the tweaks that you might have made in terms of support groups. Well, cancer itself can be a very isolating experience. Um, People will say, I understand what you're going through, but unless they've actually been through it, they don't understand completely. And so people are already feeling isolated. And then COVID has come along and changed the way everyone in our world communicates. So we have adjusted our support groups to um, utilize two methods. We use Zoom, which I must admit I was initially intimidated by, but I now really enjoy because, um, and the patients love it because they can see each other, smile, laugh, um, cry if they need to, because so much of communication is through our facial expressions. So that is a technology that we use. Some people are not comfortable with technology. So we offer the phone number that you can call in and participate in that way. And that's been very successful. In fact, I have um, been pleasantly surprised to find that 
my support group um, for caregivers has actually increased in attendance. I have um, people from actually um, all over uh, New England. Well, um, let me clarify that. um, New York is not part of New England, Um, but there's also a woman that calls in from Chicago, Um, a woman who's works full time and can't get out of work in time to join a group. So she's grateful for the group. Um, a gentleman who has come up from Texas to get excellent care, uh, through Yale New Haven is able to join the support group via zoom. So it's offered some nice flexibility to our, uh, caregivers and our also our patients to be able to still stay connected during a very isolating time. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, for all of the negatives of this pandemic and there have been a number of them, um, it it also has a silver lining in the sense that, you know, for people for whom, um, transportation may have been an issue, um, you know, getting out of work or, or picking up the kids on time to make it to an in-person support group. Mm-hmm. The option of calling in or, or logging on to Zoom um, from the comfort of your own home or, or office um, might make things just a little bit more amenable. Yes, um, it is. It's nice. So are you planning on continuing that after all of this COVID craziness goes away? Yes. um, I think, as you said, there's a silver lining here in that we've been able to reach out to people who might find attending a support group very difficult. And many caregivers are very busy caregiving. So getting dressed and going out in the car and driving and parking and you know, taking time from work or finding a babysitter, that can all be even more stressful. So being able to just call in on your phone or go on the Zoom and uh, connect with other people is pretty handy. So I absolutely plan to continue virtual uh, groups after COVID ends. Yeah. And I think the other point that you bring up, which is such a good one, which is, you know, we we often think about the cancer patient themselves needing support, and they absolutely do. I mean, they're the ones going through this journey, and for many of them facing perhaps for the first time, their own mortality in a tangible way. But the other group that also needs support uh, are the caregivers, now perhaps more than ever before. Can you talk a little bit about um, kind of the issues that caregivers are going through, particularly in the era of COVID? I I mean, I can just imagine what that's like. A, A loved one is diagnosed with cancer, but you can't go with them. You can't see them in the hospital. You can't um, be with them in the exam room. Um, There are so many limitations. Um, And what is that like? I think it's um, frightening for many people and frustrating. It's a whole different way of focusing on caregiving. If you're not there to be able to hold someone's hand or um, just be a 
calming presence for them. So I think our caregivers are experiencing many of the same feelings that the patients feel. They feel isolated, helpless, um, or um, lonely. Mm-hmm. And so if they join a support group, what they're able to do is um, decrease some of that isolation and feel a sense of belonging with other people and be inspired by other people because being outside that window, outside that door while your loved one is having treatment is can be a pretty helpless feeling. Yeah. And then I think on top of that are all of the ramifications that COVID has on cancer that affect not only the patient, but the caregiver and the family. So, you know, having to have heightened awareness. I mean, all of us by now, I would hope, um, know that we should be wearing a mask and social distancing and practicing hand hygiene and avoiding large gatherings. But if you're going through treatment with cancer, um, you're particularly at risk. And so I can just imagine what that is like and the pressure that that puts on the family unit. Um, Definitely, and, yes. and, and especially now when you have a family member going through cancer during the holidays and we've been advised, you know, please don't travel, please don't um, have large social gatherings. Um, the strain that that puts on families So can you talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the innovative solutions that people in your support groups may be coming up with in terms of how to celebrate the holidays when your family may not be all coming to visit and, um, and how are people kind of getting around that? What are some tips that you have? Well, what some of the folks in some of my groups have mentioned is that they are doing FaceTime or um, family Zoom. So they have a little bit of time to get together and see each other's faces and um, smile together. Um, And then there's also just a simple phone call. So people are finding different ways to change their traditions so that they can still have that connection and be safe. And um, I learned so much from the patients and family members that I've decided myself for the holiday, we set up a family Zoom and it works around everyone's schedule and we will just spend some time on a Zoom talking about things that we're grateful for and um, how much we miss each other and, and love each other. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the other thing that the pandemic certainly has done, which is something that cancer does as well, is that it certainly does engender a sense of gratitude for all of the things that we otherwise take for granted. Definitely. Yeah. And people are starting to feel um, grateful for more the the day that we have today. You know, we don't have to think so much about more, 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 and do, do, do. And instead, we can just take a step back, take a breath, and think about all of the things that 
are good in our lives and that we're grateful for. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's almost more like, you know, a focus on the spiritual, not necessarily uh, in the religious context, although it can Mm -hmm. be taken in that context as well, but, but more on the spiritual and less on the material, um, because you do start to realize whether it's going through COVID or whether it's going through cancer or God forbid, going through both, um, just what really counts in life. Absolutely. Yes. The, the other point that I wanted to pick up on, um, Mary, is that, you know, you mentioned um, at the top of the show when I asked you what you do as a social worker, one of the, the contexts that you kind of brought up was people who are inpatient, um, who are uh, stuck in the hospital undergoing treatment. And, you know, I think that particularly around the holidays, um, to have cancer and to be in the hospital, especially when we're going through COVID and, um, you know, visitation from family and others is limited, um, can be particularly distressing. So how do you advise people in those contexts uh, to cope? What, uh, you know, granted there's, there's technology, but family Zoom from a hospital room still sucks. Yes. <laughs> just got to say. Right. Um, well, right now, um, there are restrictions on visitors, but I think the, um, the staff are absolutely amazing and they decorate the hallways and um, they are so friendly and caring. So they do have that. Mary Strauss is a licensed clinical social worker. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.